Man, it's great to, to worship together on Sundays. You know, it's like we say, you know, Sundays isn't the most important thing that we do, but it is important. It's a, it's a big part of being a, in a church family and getting to know others and worshiping together and serving with one another. Uh, so thank you for being here today as we uh, kick off this new year. And uh, thanks for your help along the way. Thanks for your generosity uh, in making 2020 a great year. We are really trusting and believing the Lord for some great things through our church and in our lives uh, over the next year. So thank you again. Thanks for being a part of it and uh, for helping us out Sunday after Sunday. Uh, if you're new with us today, we're, we're starting a brand new series today called Planted. It's a series that's going to take us all the way through the year. Uh, we're inviting everyone to do this, to join us in reading the Bible from cover to cover. Who's done that before? Anybody ever done that in your life? All right, some hands around the room. I've done it one time. Uh, it, it's worth it, but it, it's, it's a chore too. I mean, it, it's going to take some work and some effort, so we're not going to lie about that, but it is worth it. And to help us uh, with this, we are encouraging all of you that can to get the Read Scripture app. All right, if you'd like to follow along with us, it's a great way. It's a great tool. We didn't make it, uh, but it's real easy to use as it lays out every day's readings, uh, but also attaches some videos that uh, we're going to watch from week to week two in there. We do have paper copies of the reading plan, and so if you'd prefer that, you can get it back at our Info Hub counter. It's an eight and a half uh, by 11 handout. You can also pick up back there uh, this resource. It just kind of lays out the scope of the entire series and some things uh, that we're aiming for, but it's not overly complicated. It's just every day involves reading several chapters, of course, in the Old Testament now, but eventually uh, when we get to the New Testament and then there's one psalm to read every day. Add to that, there are several great videos uh, in, in partnership with the, the Bible Project. They're excellent. And uh, so I'd encourage you to check those out. Don't skip over the videos as you read. And if you're using a paper copy, it'll direct you to the Bible Project website where you can find those appropriate videos each week. Uh, there are some journals, I believe, still back at the Info Hub. We're running a little low on those, but we've got more coming. But that's great because it means people are taking them uh, because we want you to write out your prayers. We want you to write down your questions, write down the things that you're learning and experiencing over the year uh, as you're doing this each day. And we're also going to be talking about this Sunday after Sunday. And we'll do it in some creative ways throughout the year just to kind of mix it up. Uh, but we're going to do that here. Now, there is no way that we can cover all of the details of what we're reading every Sunday when we come together, and we're not even going to try. And so some weeks we'll do a kind of a large swoop over a number of chapters. That'll be a little bit of today and really the next few weeks uh, to, to be clear. Uh, but there will be weeks also where we'll just drill down deep into maybe a particular verse or a section of scriptures just to see what the Lord might have for each of us and for our church family through that. We'd love for as many people as possible to participate with us. I, I've heard of students that are doing this, families that are doing it together, individuals, connection groups that are working on this, but we think this is a great way to bring unity uh, to our church right now and of course to help every single one of us grow deeper in our relationship with God. And we're calling it Planted. All right, and the idea comes out of, uh, the theme comes from Psalm chapter 1, which if you've been reading, you read on the very first day, on, on Thursday, but so, Thursday was a Friday. Which day was New Year's Day? Friday? Friday was, yeah. And so you read it on Friday, but Psalm chapter 1, uh, beginning in verse 1, where we read this, blessed is the one. Basically, who's blessed? The scriptures tell us, the Lord tells us, the one who is blessed, the one that's going to thrive, 
uh, the one that's going to be best prepared, the one that's going to be ready for whatever life may throw your way, walking with the Lord, gaining from the Lord, is not the one who's walking with the wicked or standing in the way that sinners take or in the company of mockers. It doesn't mean that the Lord loves that person any less. But he's just saying, if, you're, if you really want to be equipped, if you really want to get the most out of life, if you want to walk faithfully with me through this life, don't count on culture uh, to influence you. Don't, don't count on something else. Don't count on your own wisdom to just kind of figure it out as you go. You're going to be influenced by something. Ultimately, you've got to make the decision. What are you going to allow to influence the life that you live? for those of you that really want to follow Jesus in this world. And so the writer says, it's the one whose delight is in the law of the Lord. Uh, it's the one who chooses to make the word of God the foundation of their life. It's the one who chooses the, the word of God to be uh, the primary influencer, the priority uh, for everything that you do. It's, it's the word of God. It's the story of God and his interaction with all of humanity. And it's the person who meditates or chews on, you know, gets to know his law, his word, day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither whatever they do prospers. There's a tree in my front yard that we planted a little after the 12 years ago when we moved here. I've loved watching this tree grow. It's getting tall. It's really starting to fill out. Even talking about this tree just makes me excited for spring to watch the leaves come back. Uh, but even though I can't see it, I know that it's getting stronger as the roots grow deeper in the ground, as, they, as these roots are planted. And, and as they do, that the tree is able and is going to bear fruit for everyone to see. Notice how the writer of Psalm 1 says that a person who spends time with God, uh, a person who clings to the word of God, is influenced by the word of God, is like a what? It's like a tree planted by streams of water. And that kind of tree is going to be strong enough to withstand any drought, uh, any type of desert experience that you may go through. This type of tree can weather any storm because its roots go down deep into the ground. It's, it's a tree. It's the person who's less affected by the change of seasons. A planted tree is, is less vulnerable to disease and, and to things like rot. And it's a tree that's going to flourish no matter what comes its way. And so Psalm 1 for us says that like a tree, for us to be like a tree, we have to delight in the law of the Lord. We have to determine for ourselves that we want the word of God to influence us and to lighten our paths and everything that we do and say we need to fall in love with it. We need to know it. We need to read it. We need to spend time, again, not only in the word of God, but also getting to know God with God, you know, so that he can influence us, so that he can speak into our lives. And as these things happen, our roots are going to grow deeper and stronger, preparing us for whatever life may bring. And I think that promise is something we should, we should embrace now more than ever, you know, again, because for many of us, this last year has, well, it's felt a little bit like a drought at times, hasn't it? Uh, or a desert. Um, and I don't know what the unique circumstances are for you or for your family. I mean, maybe it's a drought in your marriage or another close relationship. Maybe it's a drought in your work or uh, in your finances. Uh, maybe over this past year, you, you lost somebody. You lost somebody to COVID or to something else, somebody that you love. Maybe uh, there's been a health crisis in your family. There, there are so many things in life that can attack us, 
try our patience, threaten to bring us down, give us anxiety, depression, anger, loneliness, other mental health problems. And while the Bible and spending time in the Bible is no guarantee that life is going to work out exactly the way that we hope it's going to work out, being planted in God's word, spending time with him each day is going to strengthen you. And it's going to prepare you for whatever life brings your way. So we want to dive in. Uh, if you've got a Bible with you, I want to encourage you to bring a Bible with you each week. Or uh, if you've got uh, the, an app on your phone, like the Version app, and you want to turn there. Uh, if you want to use uh, the Read Scripture app, I mean, for, for these reasons, it's a little more difficult to navigate. But uh, go to page one. That's easy, right? We can all find that. You might have to skip over some introductory pages in your Bible, depending on the type of Bible you're reading. But page one, Genesis chapter one. If you've ever tried to read the Bible all the way through, uh, you know it's, it's, it's not easy, all right? And sometimes it's easier than others. I mean, reading through books like Genesis and Exodus are, are a little easier, but by the time you hit something like Leviticus or, or Numbers, I mean, you might get to thinking, I'm not sure what I believe about anything anymore, you know? I, well, what is this? Like, you know, how can we never talk about this in church? Um, well, that's where the Bible Project videos that are attached to the app and the daily readings become extremely helpful. They do a great job of putting uh, words into context, bringing understanding to some difficult readings. Uh, as Kevin mentioned, this is a great time to find someone else, find a group of people to experience and to go through this with. So get in a connection group. Uh, if you've been involved in a group, if you lead in a group and maybe you took a break, start meeting again. Uh, and if you're not ready to meet in person, you know, I, I know we don't love Zoom calls, but do Zoom, you know, do the free 40-minute one, all right? Then you have a, a hard stop, you know, where you don't have to endure it any longer. Or if anything, find two or three people that you know that you like and, uh, you know, just hold each other accountable, you know, every, every week. Send a text, get on the phone with one another, sit together in person, and talk about what you're learning. Last thing is this, don't hesitate to reach out to our staff either. Um, we may not know the answer to your question because you may have a question that people have been asking for thousands of years, all right? But there are a lot of helpful resources that we can help point you to. We can talk through things with you. We'd love to help you with any questions you've got, all right? So page one, Genesis chapter one, verse one, let's see what we can accomplish today. We read, and we could probably spend the next few weeks on just this one verse. In the beginning, God created created the heavens and the earth. And let's just point out a few things that we see in this verse. Uh, how many of you like to read? Just anything for that matter. Any, any kind of book, any kind of reading, read regularly. Uh, I've probably read more this past year than ever before. I usually like to read before uh, I go to bed. But if you like to read, uh, if you've spent any time reading, you know that every good author will introduce you to the main character uh, pretty soon as you get started into a book. And, and the main character, if you remember from literature class, is called the protagonist, right? It's the protagonist. Well, the Bible has a protagonist. Or by, the Bible has a main character, all right? The, the Bible is about God, all right? The, the Bible is his story, and, and that's something important to come back to over and over and over again because if I'm not careful, I'll read the Bible like it's all about me. Uh, I'll read the Bible, and I can get so caught up into what I'm reading and in my life and, and what I think and wonder how does this apply to me and what am I supposed to do with this right now, but the truth is maybe it's not for me right now, or uh, maybe it's not about me, and here's why that matters. It, it's not my story. Like, I, I'm involved in this story that we see in the Bible, but the Bible is God's story. The Bible is God's story of what he's doing, what he's up to, and how he wants to relate to all of humanity. Here's something helpful that was explained to me 
some years ago that you might appreciate as well. And I think this is especially important while you're reading through the Old Testament, okay, which has got some difficult things in it. Remember that the Bible has at least two storylines. There's kind of a surface level, uh, lower story that we read. And, and as we do, like sometimes things make sense. Sometimes it's confusing. Sometimes it'll leave you wondering, how does this relate to me? What is God doing here? This doesn't seem to make sense with the God that, that I know. And there's nothing wrong with any of those questions. But there's also an upper storyline. There's a greater perspective that's always in play. And the upper storyline is extremely important because it reminds us that the Bible is all about God and it's about his glory and it's about the greater narrative of what he is doing from beginning to end to bring healing and redemption to this world. Now, I'm not saying that the Bible doesn't offer wisdom for your life. It does. It really does. I, I hope you've experienced that. I, I've experienced that in my life. There's a ton of great wisdom in the Bible for how to live. The Bible's going to help you get to know God better and his heart and his character, his desires for us. The Bible uh, can give us and help us make decisions about life and how to navigate things like pandemics, all right? That's why, and we won't be able to say this enough, the goal of planted is not for you to check off all of the boxes and just complete your daily readings and go from beginning to end. It's a part of it. It's a big part of it. Here's the goal. Like the goal is to know God. The, the goal is to know God and to know him and fall more deeply in love with him and experience him as you do. And so verse 1 reminds us that this book is about him and getting to know him. Another thing we learn from Genesis 1-1 is that God existed before everything. He has always been. Uh, he will always be. And again, what does the text say? It was God was there in the beginning. The word beginning means Genesis. That's why the first book is called Genesis. Why did we name this church Genesis? I have no idea. I wasn't here when the church started, all right? But Genesis means beginning. And so before the universe, before the earth, before the oceans, before the mountains, God was there. He brought life where there was darkness and where there was disorder. And I'm just telling you that if you can believe this, like if you can get your heart and try and get your mind around this, but embrace this as truth, then you should have no problem believing anything else that's written in scripture. Like if God could speak the world into existence, why couldn't someone like Jonah survive in the belly of a fish for a few days? Uh, if God could create the universe with a breath, bring something out of nothing, like why couldn't Jesus feed thousands with some bread and a few fish? If God could create the universe, why couldn't he send his son? and raise his son from the dead. And more than that, if, if God's powerful enough to create the heavens and the earth with a breath, he can heal you. He's got, he's got that ability. He can, he can rebuild and, and strengthen your marriage. Um, uh, this God of ours is capable of solving your financial problems, or maybe you've got a kid in your life that has wandered away and wants nothing to do with you anymore. He, he can help bring that kid back. He, uh, God can... can when your brother from drugs, your, your sister from alcohol, he, this God, he can give you the faith to believe. And, and maybe some of you are here today and you would just label yourself as curious, agnostic, or you're not sure what you would say about what you think about God, but you're here. This is a good time to be here. Uh, Genesis is a great church for you. You are welcome here and your questions. And, and I'd like to think that this next year could be a really special year for you if you'll, yet it, if you'll let it, if you'll, if you'll dive in as well. And, and if God is powerful enough to make everything from nothing, well, he's certainly powerful enough to make something greater out of you.
to make something greater out of each of us. Uh, in 1996, uh, if you were around then, scientists were obsessed with this new toy. You remember the Hubble Space Telescope? Remember when that was all the rage? And uh, they decided to point it at a small um, black piece of space right next to the Big Dipper, uh, and they left the shutter open uh, for 10 days, whatever that means. And, and here's what they found. Uh, 3,000 more galaxies than they ever knew existed. So just to refresh here, the entire, you've got the entire Milky Way galaxy, which we're all a part of, uh, and that means almost every star, every object we see in the sky is, is typically a part of, of that galaxy, this one galaxy, the Milky Way. Well, scientists now estimate the universe is made up of 100 billion galaxies. That's a lot of galaxies. And uh, this is the extent that at least we know it of God's creation. And it's amazing. And we know that it's more than that. But here, here's, this, is, this is fun. Scientists estimate that there are 200 to 500 billion stars in the Milky Way alone, which is one of 100 billion galaxies. And just to give you a scope here, if our solar system, that is the sun and the planets that we know that orbit it, were scaled down to one billionth of their actual size, the sun would be about the size of me, about six feet or so in diameter. Jupiter would be the size of a grapefruit and the earth the size of a grape. And so the first pages of our Bible describe his creation, at least what we can see and know of it. The universe, the stars of the earth, and we've all seen pictures before. We've all been places, the, the beautiful work of creation, things like Lake Michigan and the Grand Canyon or the Rocky Mountains. And as wonderful as these places are, they are not the greatest part of his creation. That comes in verse 26 when we read, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. And so God said, notice this. I don't know if you noticed the change in pronouns here. Let us, let us, make mankind in our image, in our likeness. And what does that tell us? Well, it tells us that God is three equal but distinct parts. All right, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, which predate us. That is that from the beginning, before there was anything, God was there, all of him. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We sometimes refer to this as the Trinity in perfect community before he created anything. And this is just so good to remember because it shows us that he didn't need to create humans. God didn't need to create us. He wasn't lonely, all right, looking for some sort of side project. He created us. He created you because he wanted to, and he did it for his glory. Um, if you're a parent, if you desire to be a parent, like why did you, why, why did you decide to have kids? You it's, because you, you, it's not because you love getting up in the middle of the night, right? I mean, it's, you, you do this because you want someone to enjoy, someone to share as a part of your relationship. And that's the most amazing part of this creation story, that God created you because he desired to have a relationship with you and me. And so the same is true for, for any of us that, that has or wants to have kids. Like, you want someone to share your life with together. And, and when Jenny and I found out we were having any of our children, uh, we spent a lot of time, we spent a 
lot of effort. We spent a lot of money preparing a nursery uh, for our baby in the same way, but really on a much grander scale. All of God's creation then was God's way of preparing a place for his glory first before anything, but also for like you, people like you and me to live, to grow, and to enjoy. And it means just this, that you're not an accident. Uh, your life isn't. Your, your life is not an accident. Your life has a purpose. And that also reminds us that every life, uh, every life is extremely important to God. That means every baby, even the unborn in the mother's womb, that life is extremely important uh, to our God. Uh, every boy or girl, every man or woman, uh, every person, no matter your skin color, no matter your nationality, uh, God, uh, every person is created by God and, and is deeply important to him. And, and this God of ours, the, the one who created all things, he wants to know you. Like he desires to have a relationship with you and me. And so we were made in his image, which means that we have the potential to reflect his character in all that we do, we represent him to others in this world. I mean, that's what it means, you know, this, this idea that we were made in his image. There's a great video, if you haven't seen it yet this week from the Bible Project, on the image of God and how it is his desire to function through each of us, that we would represent him to this world. And when we live out that purpose for which he made us, man, it brings him a lot of glory and a lot of joy. And so that's what God was doing with creation. The Bible says that he created everything. He said that it was good. But I don't know if you notice this or not, but in this creation narrative, these six days, it says that, you know, he created man, he created woman, he put them together in the garden, and then he said this in verse 31, and, and maybe you want to circle this in your Bible if you can. He, it notes that he, it was very good. Not just good, but it was very good. And so there's a special emphasis on humans. And for some time after that, and we don't know, we're not given the time frame, we know that Adam and Eve, they lived in this perfect place called the Garden of Eden. And God basically said they could go wherever they wanted. They could, they, they could do what they wanted. They could eat anything except for one tree, the fruit from one tree. And this whole garden full of anything to eat, God put one limitation don't eat from this one tree. And so access to everything but one thing just to put a limitation, a separation between humans and God. And just like how every great story has a protagonist, well, then most great stories have an antagonist too. And God's enemy, the devil, enters the scene uh, enters as a snake or as a serpent, your Bible may say, which honestly is appropriate in mind because like Indiana Jones, I hate snakes, all right? I, they, they, are, I, they, just, they do nothing for me. But, but you know how in most stories, even the antagonists, there's a lovable side to them. There's some qualities, some traits, or something about them that almost makes you feel sorry for them. This one... Satan is none of that. And we sometimes call him Satan. He's called the devil or the evil one. He is pure evil, and his goal is to deceive us. His goal is to confuse us, to bring chaos in our lives, and to pull us away from the love of God. And Genesis chapter 3 gives us a great picture of how he does that. In fact, this chapter is so important. It's so important to keep this chapter in mind as you're reading through the rest of the Bible because it reminds us that not only is there a, an enemy at play in this world, but that you and I have a personal enemy as well. And he is one that slithers into our lives. He creates doubts. In fact, write this down and then we'll walk through it together. Uh, you could say that your enemy will often uh, cause you to question, deny, and reverse the truth of what God has for us, what God would call his truth. So question, deny, 
and reverse. Let me, let me, let's hear this together as we see it in Scripture, and then we'll talk about what it means. Genesis chapter 2, verse 16. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Now, watch how the enemy causes us to question, deny, and reverse. Genesis 3, verse 1. Now the serpent... For the snake was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Can you hear it? You can hear it in there. Like just play out the voice, the tone. Did God really say? Did he really say that? Like you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Is that what God said? No. I mean, is that really what he meant? God said you must not eat from one tree. And the snake questioned God by asking, did God really say you must not eat from any tree? So first he questions. All right, Satan questions. Next watch as he denies. Verse 4, you will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. You know, again, a, a complete contradiction to what God had said. God said, you will certainly die. Satan denies it. And friends, this is a tactic that Satan still uses today. He causes us to question. He causes us to deny. And as I was thinking about this the other day, it's almost overwhelming to me how Satan has caused us to question and deny God and his truth for our lives today, especially over this past year. Like, I can't think about all of the confusion. I can't think about all of the chaos in our world right now that, 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 that we would allow ourselves to be so overwhelmed by fear and gripped by fear. And I, I've been guilty of that. And I've had plenty of times this past year where fear has just overwhelmed me that we would question things like the value of human life. And when I say that, I'm certainly talking about the unborn and the value that they have, but that's all the way to the grave, really, when you think about it and how we would call out and question, you know, any person that, again, has been created by our God. I mean, that, that so many now question things like gender, would we have ever imagined that we would question something like that, that we would set aside our allegiance to God um, for a political party, a person, or an ideology for that matter? Satan is the source of all of the pain, all of the questions, all of the confusion in our world right now. He questions. He, he denies. And there's a good chance that he has been speaking to you, challenging you in some very personal ways. Like, think about it. Like, can't you hear him say, did, like, did... Did, did God really say that was a sin? Come on. I mean, if God didn't want you to do that, he wouldn't have made it so much fun. Or if God didn't want you to cheat like that, he, he wouldn't have made it so accessible. Or if God didn't want you to look at that, he wouldn't have made it so attractive. He questions, he gets us to deny, and finally he reverses the tr- truth of God to verse 5. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And so we sometimes call Satan the father of lies, and from the beginning of time, he's been using these tactics, and from the beginning of time, we've been falling for them. Lies like you can be like God. Lies like you're not hurting anyone but yourself. Lies like God could never use you for anything good. He could never redeem your life. And lies like you're smart enough to decide for yourself the difference between right and wrong. And watch what happens. 
verse 6, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her. And he ate it, and then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. In one moment, everything changed. Everything God had designed, all the work that he had put into creation, it was all disrupted by sin and man's inability to obey God. Don't just blame Eve for this, all right? This isn't her fault. This is a combined effort between man and woman to disobey God. And it's easy at times to look at a moment like this and think, if that was me, I wouldn't have given in. I mean, I like apples and all, but like, am I really going to give in to an apple or something? I mean, maybe chocolate, you know, something like that. But notice it's called a fruit. It's not called an apple. So we don't know exactly what apple it was. But, but the truth is, the fact is that the enemy is powerful and he, he knows our weak spots too. And he knows where you're soft. And man, he works hard to exploit that in us. And I mean, maybe for you, it's, it's food. Uh, maybe for you, it's a drug or alcohol or another addiction and you know, you just hear him saying, I mean, does this one time, will one more time really hurt? Maybe, maybe his attack is in your marriage. Man, Satan loves to get into marriages. He loves to get us lazy, you know, and, and not thinking about how to keep our marriages healthy and strong because if he can get it one, he can get it both and really influence so many others through it. But whatever the fruit is that represents uh, for you, th- this is where your enemy is so likely to attack. It's where he'll use this tactic of question deny and reverse and because of their sin Adam and Eve they were forced to leave the garden and this is where things really begin to spiral downward as you keep reading this week and over the next weeks and see the mess that is going to result you can point back to these events in Genesis chapter 3 and this next verse gives us a glimpse into the seriousness of sin and what God thinks about sin verse 5 it says the Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time and so then the rest of scripture the rest of the Bible everything that we're going to read together and talk about over the next year is the story of God redeeming, restoring what was lost. And that's why he's going to choose a nation of people, Israel. We're going to see this next week and set them apart. It's God, God's promising that you're going to see over and over. We'll see in just a moment in the Old Testament about his promise to send a Savior, a Messiah. It's God's coming to earth in the form of a man when we get to the New Testament in Jesus who's going to live a perfect life and is going to die in our place and come back from the dead. Now, Again, I'm not going to lie and tell you that reading all of this is going to be easy. As you read, there's going to be times and probably more than once where you're going to want to quit, you know. And if you get behind, I'd just say just pick back up where you should be, all right. Don't, don't worry about catching up, you know. Just, just keep going in your reading. But there are going to be times, too, when you're going to come across some things and just say, I disagree with this. Um, this seems old-fashioned. I, I don't really know how I feel about this. And I just want to encourage you and say, like, Good can come from that. I mean, that's a part of learning, right? I remember a professor one time saying, hey, you preach a message and people leave talking about it, whether they agree or disagree, like that's part of good teaching. It's part of learning to to look at something and to ask questions of it. And so I would just challenge you, when you come across something, you just say, I don't agree with that. Look into it. Dig a little deeper. You know, go looking to some other resources. Talk to your connection group. Talk to some friends. Reach out to any of us. Let us help with that. And 
Because, again, as we're reading, you know, it's going to make you stop and think, and ultimately you're going to be forced to ask questions from time to time like this one. Am I right or is God right? Am I right or is God right? Is he wise on this one? Who, who is influencing me? Who's speaking into my life and into my heart? Where is this influence that is informing decisions that I'm ultimately making? Where is that influence coming from? The psalmist says, blessed is the one who doesn't walk in the steps of the wicked or find their foundation or thought processes or make decisions based on how things are happening or what the news or culture says about it. But no, it's the one who delights in the law of the Lord. It's the one who goes looking to the Lord. What's more reliable, what I think about things or what God thinks about these things? And and in a world where the evil one still questions and denies, I've got to ask myself, do I really trust myself to figure this out as I go and count on the rest of culture to shape the way that I see and think about things or do I want to be like a tree planted by streams of water, knowing God, knowing his word, learning to abide in Jesus each day? so that he will bear fruit and bear much fruit in my life. You know this, we live in a tough world, it's a tough place. As hopeful as I am that 2021 is gonna look a little brighter than 2020, I know the coming years are gonna have plenty of challenges of their own too. And thankfully, we have God. Thankfully, we have his word and we have a purpose and we know and believe and can trust that he has a plan for redemption. It's important to be reminded that there is an enemy out there, that he is the contributor to all that's wrong in this world today. And just as he's revealed in the first pages of the Bible, we also, in the first pages of the Bible, get a glimpse of what God is like and what he is up to and what he is doing even today. I don't know if you saw it. Maybe you've talked about it before. You've heard about it in church. It's found in Genesis chapter 3. Go there if you can before we finish. It's a mysterious set of verses that scholars know as the proto-evangelium, all right? The proto-evangelium. It's two Greek words. It's the Greek word protos, which means first. It's where we get our word prototype. And then the word evangelium is where we get our word evangelism, which ultimately means good news. It's the first good news. It's the first example of the gospel that we have in our Bibles. It comes out of Genesis 3.15 when God says to the serpent, and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. In Genesis, this is God's response to Satan and to sin. Basically, Satan, you may have scored a victory in the garden today, but when my son Jesus Christ dies on the cross, again, it may look as if you have won, but the reality is that his death will mean your defeat, that you may strike his heel when he hangs on the cross, but he will crush your head when I raise him from the dead. And for those of you that know Jesus and know the rest of the story, you know that God will send his son Jesus, that Jesus will die in our place and that God is going to raise him from the dead and he'll walk around the earth for 40 days, meeting with his followers, launching the church, giving us the command to go and make disciples of all nations. And then Jesus is gonna ascend into heaven where he sits at the hand, the right hand of the Father today and he promises that he's coming back. He will come again, all right? And it will be soon and we will be his people 
and he will be our God, and what a great day that's going to be when darkness is no more, sin is no more, COVID and things like it will be no more, divorce and deception will be wiped from the face of the earth by the powerful name of Jesus Christ. And so in the meantime, for us as a church, as followers of Jesus, we wait for Jesus. But let's keep busy working for him because we know and believe that Jesus shows us how to live He is the new way to be human in this world. And so let's do everything that we can to know him and to live out his words, again, the best as we can. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, that your story involves a savior, your son, Jesus Christ, who gave his life so that we could have life. And uh, that's a hope and that's a truth that is so easily forgotten at times. But I pray that you would remind us of that today, that we have life, that we have hope, that we have victory, that we have a message for others. And it's the powerful, beautiful name of Jesus Christ. And we thank you for that. We thank you for salvation. We thank you for forgiveness. And we thank you, Lord, for your word, uh, that your word is a, a lamp to our feet. It's a light to our paths. And I pray that it would be our desire, Lord. I pray that you would create and increase a hunger in each of us, not just to, to read the Bible from cover to cover, as great as that is, but to know your word, to reflect on your word, to meditate on your word so that we can know you better and encounter and experience you in ways like we never have before. But that also, Father, you'll put this desire, this passion, and this wisdom in each of us to live as you want us to live, as you have called us to live here in this world. Thank you for inviting us into your plan, for inviting our church into your redemption story in this world, that even though there's sin here, even though there's chaos, that through the light of Jesus, And through our work and through our efforts, Lord, of trusting you that we may help others find their way back to God. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.